The Apprenticeship of Giuseppe Lupo Written by Yusef L. Deeb Narrated by Jason Melnichuk Chapter 4 The Man Whose Life Started With His Funeral When Gio's uncle, Flavio, comes home late that night after closing the deli, Rosa explains Gio's ordeal at school to him and how he has come home all messed up, beaten and crying. She also repeats what the boys had said to him, mocking Italy's medal in the war. He's in his room. He's hurt and confused. He's been there since he came home from school and he doesn't even want to eat. Poor Giuseppe. Seriously, says Flavio with a deep sigh. Flavio is not known to be a very sympathetic man. Everyone in the family knows that it's Rosa who manages their delicatessen, although she never allows Flavio to feel this. He enjoys the status of the immigrant who quickly becomes an owner-manager, while she only focuses on the well-being of the business. For her, this means the well-being of the staff by treating them well, and the customers by ensuring the freshest quality ingredients and friendliest service in the neighborhood. Rosa, over time, becomes a social leader and the go-to friend for the small Italian community of Montreal. Meanwhile, Flavio enjoys smoking his pipe. He is often seen standing outside the delicatessen, in a short-sleeve shirt in summer, or a black wool coat and hat in winter. It didn't matter to him, hot sun or cold wet slush. He stands outside the deli door, greeting customers as if they are arriving at his daughter's wedding. He takes pride in the compliments he gets on the deli, even though it's all Rosa's work. He had named it after her, Rosa's Italiano. By giving her this gift, he felt that he could now enjoy the glamour and leave the real work to her. Rosa, concerned over Gio's sad state, implores Flavio to do something. He wants to go back. He hates Canada. He wants his mama. How can we blame him? Poor bambino, it's only been a day. What shall we do? Flavio smiles and nods at her. You're smiling, she asks him as he takes the pipe out of his mouth. Rosa, he's going to be okay. It's that damned Canadian experience. We all went through it. Remember the landlord who wouldn't rent us the deli just because we were Italians? All immigrants go through this. He'll be fine. Rosa persists. Flavio, go console him. It's horrible what they did to him. Make it better. I feel so bad. He's our guest. He must feel just as if Violetta was here. This is her boy, Flavio. And you know what she went through, that poor woman, losing her husband. Gio's all she's got left. Flavio finds Gio lying in bed, face down, whimpering. He sits on the bed next to him. He slowly, gently rubs Gio's back. He sees the poster advertisement for Vespa on the wall. He had hung this in the spare bedroom to remind himself of the Italy he misses. Next to it, a black and white photo of a group of unemployed men playing cards on a street corner in Naples. He remembers how he had carried both of these from Rome. He remembers his struggles to fit into this new homeland. On the floor, Flavio sees Gio's school bag. The fresh textbooks are scattered on the carpet. He sees one cover, Beginner's English for Immigrants. Gio, look at how they take care of us here teaching us their language. Gio does not respond. Flavio does not give up. 
He knows that Rosa will expect good news about Gio. So I heard that today you represented the whole Italian war effort, he teases. Piccolo, piccolo, he whispers tenderly. Gio fidgets. This is what Violetta always called out to him. Piccolo. This is a whole new life now, Piccolo, and here you will quickly become a man, Gio. When Gio doesn't respond, Flavio lifts him awkwardly and places him against the pillows. Look at me, Gio. You are a big hero of mine. Did you know that? Gio looks at him, wipes his tears. Didn't Violetta tell you the heroic thing that you did when you were just a baby? Gio shrugs. Of course she didn't. She couldn't have. It's a memory that she doesn't want to remember. Piccolo, let me tell you a story. One day, your mama, Violetta, when she was pregnant with you, one afternoon while having a rest, I think it was two days before you were born, she was visited by our mother Virgin Mary. It may have been a dream, that magical zone between being awake and falling asleep. She told us that the apparition appeared to her. She said that it was a figure bathed in light, the Holy Mother holding a baby, presenting a bundle towards her. This is Giuseppe, the Holy Mother said to her. Flavio looks into Gio's eyes and sees that this story about Violetta has a calming effect on him. Did she ever tell you about your funeral? Funeral? Gio stutters, confused. Yes. You know, we had a funeral for you when you were six months old. You see, you had a severe case of pneumonia. He tuts. We tried everything, and scoured for Naples' best doctors, and finally we concluded, like all the doctors had, that you'd surely die within a day or two. So we rushed and brought in the church priest to quickly baptize you, right there in the wash basin on the hospital room. They read you your proper funeral rites, so you would go to heaven. Poor Violetta. I had never seen anyone cry so hard. She kept praying so loudly, almost screaming. She repeated over and over a wish to Our Lady Mary. She begged her and begged her, saying, You presented him to me, little Giuseppe, and now you want to take him away from me? How could you? How dare you do this to me? Of course, we made sure the priest didn't hear that. The next morning you quickly recovered, as if by magic, and somehow you lived. So you are the man whose life started with his funeral. Flavio leans down and picks up the school bags and rearranges them on the small desk next to the bed. He stands to leave. He looks back at Gio. Piccolo. We never fail in this country. We're not allowed to. We do not give up. Ever. There is no road back. We are centurions heading on a new, one-way mission to conquer new lands, capiche? But most of all, we do this for our mama Violetta. We do this for our mama Italia. We do this for our mother Mary, capiche? Gio hesitantly nods back at his uncle. And most of all, we don't give up 
and we show these Canadians what Italians are really made of. We are tough, are we not? All their culture comes from us, so be like Michelangelo, like Leonardo da Vinci. You hear that? He's Leonardo da Vinci, not Leonardo de Montreal, capiche? Now, you show those boys at school what us Italian boys are made of. Capiche, Piccolo? The next morning, Gio goes to school, but this time with a new energy in his step, and when, at the end of a long day, the bullies follow him home, he stops and slowly turns to face them. He remembers Uncle Flavio's words of advice, and then he does something he has never done before in his life. He drops the school bag to the side and raises his fists at them. The boys laugh at him and pick up their step towards him. Gio, undaunted, discovers that this same fear he had yesterday is still there inside him, but is now fueling his courage. He shows them that he is even more determined by waving them towards him. Come on! He then shouts at them what will now become his magical power words. Three words that their virgin ears had not heard before. Three words that will confuse them and plant a seed of fear into their souls. With his fists at the ready, he runs directly towards them and screams, Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci.